2: You are listening to the Tuesday, November 14th edition of Road of His Radio. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter at Pat Corain, and with me is Sean Siegel on Twitter at FF underscore contrarian. Sean, how was your week 10?
3: It was good. Sort of an interesting week. It seemed like even with the Saints putting up 47, that the Mm -hmm. scores were somewhat low around the league or my fantasy league. So if you didn't have Mark Ingram or you didn't have Robert Woods, then you're probably looking at a slightly lower score. but very balanced scoring throughout the week. So a lot of close games going into Monday night.
2: Yeah. DeMarco Murray was another big, uh, you know, DeMarco Murray owners hadn't had many games like that. So that was another big performance, but then yes, yeah, some really weird performances, Antonio Brown putting up basically nothing. Um, so it was, it was a little bit, a little bit of a strange, a strange week, but uh, we have a, a really great guest this week to kind of discuss what we're seeing this season, which is a little strange overall, I'd say, with kind of wide receiver scoring being way down uh, through this point in the season, and we get into that uh, with Russell Clay uh, on Twitter, at Russell J. Clay. We had Russell on, I think, right around this time last year, so it's great to get him back on. And the other great thing about Russell is we're starting to turn now, uh, you know, starting to get some great dynasty uh, dynasty prospect talk going, some, some great Debbie League talk it's a great season great time of the year for that as well so uh had to get him on to to pick his brain both for what's going on in the NFL and what's going on with the uh, the future of our NFL with uh, some dynasty league prospects
3: yeah and I also grill Russell on Melvin Gordon which I give him a little bit of a hard time about it. he's a big Melvin Gordon fan I am as well and I have a few uh, high stakes leagues I didn't even want to check after the mm. the Gordon game yesterday. So we'll get his take on what uh the the sort of breakout from Melvin Gordon's backup says about his future. Yeah. But
2: let's get to that interview as soon as I remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Road of his NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotavus.com/slash podcast. That subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content and it also helps support the podcast. You can also help support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotovis channel on iTunes. Uh, you've got two choices there, Rotovis Radio, or you can do the Rotovis Fantasy Football Show. Two different feeds. Road of his Fantasy Football Show is a little bit trimmed down. And you can always contact us via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com and on Twitter at Road of his Radio. But let's get to our interview with Russell Clay on Twitter at Russell J. Clay. Please welcome to the show, Russell Clay, who can follow on Twitter, at Russell J. Clay. Uh, he's a, now a draft analyst for Dynasty Command Center, which is a Slack community uh, where you can get personalized Dynasty League advice. Russell, is that is that correct? Clue us in here on uh, this, this new Dynasty Command Center that you got going.
4: Yes. Uh, this is sort of my new, I, I guess... I don't know if it's, um, a venture. I feel like ventures are when like you, you sail across the country and, (laughs) and like buy, spend millions of dollars. But, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a dynasty community. Uh, I basically man the, the prospect talk, um, channel on the Slack and I just kind of run through, you know, basically what I was tweeting about for the past seven or eight years, except you know, more specialized and, and towards gauge towards potentially helping people, you know, in their leagues.
2: Awesome. Well, we definitely want to get into some prospect talk with you here in a bit, but first I kind of want to start just with what's going on in the NFL. Um, you had a a series of tweets on kind of wide receiver scoring through the first nine weeks. And, uh, I thought that was super interesting. If you haven't seen those, you should definitely check them out. Um, Again, at Russell J. Clay, but wide receiver scoring is down in 2017. Uh, this is a trend we actually saw in 2016. I uh, went heavy zero running back again this year, actually in part because, you know, I felt like the, what happened in 2016 definitely wasn't going to happen this year. But it kind of has uh, among the top 10 wide receivers in scoring through week 10. Expected points are closer to the 2008 to the 2011 levels. Than the 2012 to 2016 levels that I think we were kind of expecting on this year and touchdown numbers are disastrously low uh, leading to, to actual point totals uh, that are the worst in a decade. Um, And as you were kind of pointing out in your, uh, your series of tweets here through nine weeks, we have just two wide receivers that have gotten to 130 PPR points. So um, whereas that's been more like in the teens right before this. So, uh, what do you, what do you attribute this lower scoring to? Um, and do you expect this trend to continue?
4: Well, I definitely think it's a ton of factors sort of melding into this, um, you know, cataclysmic, you know, season for wide receivers. Uh, this is clearly, you know, an outlier uh, from everything I've looked at, I don't think we're going to, even in the second half of the year, I think we're going to see a turnaround, um, but I don't necessarily think we're headed back to, you know, the 2015 Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, you know, five players getting 1,500 or more receiving yards. Um I think this is just an eye-opener, what it looks like when... Uh, We lose a Peyton Manning. And, you know, I think that's sort of going under the radar right now. Some of these older quarterbacks um, either shifting their game plans or... Peyton Manning and Drew Brees are probably the two best examples of guys who are just fantasy mavens for the last 15 years. Really, we've had them automatically every year for 10 to 15 years. Um, And we lost Peyton and... And, you know, a guy who was top three every season. And I just think we're kind of seeing the effects of that. Uh, you know, quarterbacks getting older, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning kind of falling off. And we have guys sort of jumping in. But when you look at a Dak Prescott, he doesn't go to Des like Tony Romo did. And I just think, you know, Allen Robinson out for the year, basically at week one, I just think a lot of injuries and a lot of, you know, quarterback play sort of getting older and then obviously teams going, you know, more run heavy with drafting feature backs that are, you know, legitimate prospects now, uh, cause we just didn't have any from 2012 to 2015 really. So, um, I think it's a lot of things. I think we're going to see a rebound next year, especially from the studs. Odell Beckham isn't going anywhere. Antonio Brown looks like a guy who's going to continue to dominate into his mid 30s. So I think we're fine there. Um, but we really relied on guys like Demarius Thomas and Julio Jones and AJ Green, uh, Des Bryant. We've really relied on these guys for going on five years now. And we're just seeing, you know, attrition. Um, Demarius lost his quarterback, and he's still putting up 1,000 yards, but 1,000 yards isn't 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns, you know?
3: Russell, you mentioned the quarterbacks getting older, but we've also had some young breakouts, which has been pretty exciting. We've seen Carson Wentz uh, emerge as you know potential superstar for a long time, obviously Deshaun Watson. But Watson goes into a category of quarterbacks who've gotten hurt, and it seems like perhaps a big part of this issue is the quarterback injuries right now. It's painful to watch teams like Denver and Houston, those two franchises in particular, what should they do at quarterback to try and finish out the season and hopefully a little bit better than what the last couple of weeks have shown.
4: Honestly, I mean, what can you do? I I think they're, they're trying their best, you know what I mean? Which is the sad uh, state of affairs because I just don't think you can find you know, Deshaun Watson, I just don't think you can find someone to replace him. And, you know, it's more of the same with Tom Savage. You could try to go more run heavy, but when, you know, your quarterback literally makes mistakes and, and your special teams is muffing punts and gets you behind the eight ball pretty instantly. I mean, what, what can they do? Um, I, I don't really think they can do anything other than maybe tank and, and go for a quarterback. Really? um so kind of a tough situation to deal with for sure
2: uh going to drew Brees, you know who he brought up here someone we've been relying on that's been a problem this year as well and in a really weird way because the saints now are coming off another big blowout victory where breeze didn't really deliver for fantasy owners the saints scored 47 points down um you know the first blowout with the lions um well I guess it didn't turn out to be quite the blowout by the end of that game but you know that was defense driven literally with them scoring the touchdowns this was more running game driven the offense scoring uh, a lot of the points but going to the running backs um is there any hope for Breeze owners if the defense and running game continue to perform at this high level
4: Well I certainly think there's some form of regression coming For Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Obviously, they're playing well, and I'm very impressed with how they're playing. I just think there's going to be some regression there. Um, But I think the bigger storyline is that Drew Brees finally doesn't care about your fantasy team, which is not something we could have said for, as I mentioned, each of the last 10 years. Drew Brees was a guy who cared as much about his stats as we did. It almost seemed like some weeks he had, he was starting himself in fantasy, you know, gunning for those points, even, even when they were up, you know, even if they were up 35 to 10 with, I don't know, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, he's still gunning for that last touchdown. And I think we've just seen a total, you know, game plan change from him this year. It seems like he's confident in his running game and you know, obviously you can't deny these results. I do think we're gonna see a little more fantasy scoring from him. Uh and I think Michael Thomas is obviously gonna be fine, but uh you know, it I, I don't think it's gonna get that much better.
3: At the other end of the spectrum we have a team like the Seahawks. The, at least in terms of the other end of the spectrum among competent teams. Russell Wilson has 19 touchdowns. He's run for one. While their running backs have only scored one touchdown, and that was by J.D. McKissick. They still rank 11th in points per game and sit at 6-3. and three. And during their heyday, they were actually never that efficient in the running game. Certainly not like the 2017 Saints. And, you know, there were several analyses showing that their run-heavy emphasis was actually hurting their team. Uh, is is it benefiting the Seahawks this year to have a more Wilson centric team?
4: Well, I think with this defense it certainly is and uh I I certainly think there's something to be said for an effective passing game. Um that an effective passing game is always, you know, going to be a bigger positive than an effective run game. Um, but at the time of Wilson's development, especially in the early years, I, d- I didn't mind how they were, you know, running the ball, uh, especially with that elite defense, but with the way things are now, I mean, they definitely have to pass to win, Uh, you know, Wilson becoming the superstar, finally taking the, um, you know, shackles off and, and, It took literally them having zero running backs. I mean, you know, as you mentioned McKissick with the rushing touchdown, um, it's, it's ugly, but we're finally, we're forcing them to show us Russell Wilson. You know, I, I don't, uh, think this is great for Russell Wilson's long-term health, especially with that offensive line, but. I mean, it's been fantastic, and if he keeps playing this way, they're going to keep winning just because, you know, he can just score at will. So, yeah, I like it.
2: Yeah, do you think the the loss of Richard Sherman there, you know, losing him for the year with a torn Achilles, do you think that could, you know, potentially even force them to go more pass-heavy going forward? I I would assume it would almost have to. Um, You know, in a weird way, could losing Sherman be good for Wilson's fantasy prospects going forward?
4: I mean, that's that was my first thought uh, when I saw the injury, and obviously, you know, uh, Earl Thomas has kind of been banged up as well. With those guys out, uh, this isn't the same, you know, Seahawks defense. Even with them, it it wasn't the same defense. So, the fact that teams can actually score and they can't just sit on the ball anymore is is definitely good for Wilson, and you know, he's got a pretty good chance to to make it run at QB one in the second half.
3: What do you think about? Their secondary receivers from a dynasty perspective. How do you see Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett either with the Seahawks or down the line, perhaps with a different team? What's the future for those guys look like?
4: Uh, I love Paul Richardson. Um, I I loved him, you know, since the twenty fourteen draft. Obviously, the um, the wave of fantasy points that have come from that class has kind of totally, you know, made him look like a joke, uh, at least for the first three years of his career, obviously battled a bunch of injuries that I don't necessarily think are going away, especially when you watch, you know, his style of play, he goes all out, you know, for every catch. Um, not that I necessarily think that he's injury prone, but he is 170 pounds and there are dudes, you know, gunning for him uh, in that secondary, you know, especially hard-hitting safeties like his teammate, Cam Chancellor. I mean, y- you can't take too many hits if you're 170 pounds like that. Um, I I love him if he's on the fields. I think he's even better um, than, you know, what he's perceived now and, and what his role currently is. Um, I think he could be like an Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, you look at playerprofiler.com and, and he – you know, that's what he profiles as he was a high second round pick. He was productive in college, at least in his, in his final season. Um, so I'm, I, I love him. Um, but, you know, staying on the field and, and him being injured is always going to be something to watch Uh Lockett, I like Lockett. Um I think I like Paul Richardson a little bit more, but I think they're both more than capable of being more than what they are now. Um, I think that's been a constant theme uh, with Seahawks receivers throughout their career other than, um you know, Doug Baldwin. But when you look at a guy like Golden Tate, um he didn't really, you know, he only had one season above 700 receiving yards in Seattle, I believe. And then obviously he goes to the Lions and starts catching 90 balls a year. So I, I think there is something to that sort of being limited by, um you know, the the sort of offense they're in, although less so now, but there's Doug Baldwin there now. So um, targets are always going to be limited in Seattle. Um, so yeah, th- I like both of them. Um, I think the second parts of their careers could potentially be more lucrative.
2: Yeah. I guess that's the the key point there. You said targets always limited in Seattle. And I think that's definitely, um, you know, the perception in dynasty for those players, but is that, something that maybe could be changing going forward I guess like how much are you buying into what we're seeing now with the Seahawks becoming more pass-heavy do you think that that could be a, a way that they turn long term over the next you know two three years let's say or do you think they're gonna basically try to revert back to what they were get a running back in here who can uh you know actually score some touchdowns get some offensive linemen who can uh who can run block a little bit um What do you you think about the direction of this offense? Uh,
4: Aren't they a team that just smells like they'd overdraft a running back? I mean, that's just what they smell like (laughs) to me. Um, uh, They're seeing Wilson be prolific, but I don't know that Pete Carroll loves that. Um, I, I certainly think they're not going back to, you know, run first, pound, pound, pound the entire game, but... Uh, I, I would not be shocked if they pick a running back in the first few rounds of the draft this year and kind of, you know, even out that play calling.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, I want to go to a team that just kind of did that Jacksonville. um, They had been kind of relying on their uh, their top running back, you know, Leonard Fournette came in right away, kind of gave them the type of offense they wanted to transition to the run heavy style offense. But this uh this past week in the second half they actually got a little pass heavy again um what do you attribute that to and do you have any concerns for for Nett, uh heading here into the fantasy playoffs that maybe the volume might quite be there like it was early in the season
4: i mean i think we should definitely have concerns uh the the team photo was the first thing that smelled you know missing a game because he missed the team photo i get that they were trying trying to you know enforce the law, but at the same time, I don't think you just keep your best player out because of that. I think his ankle might still be hurt. He did not play well on Sunday, and also, you know, they went past heavy uh, and and sort of subbed and yelled in for a lot of passing downs and ivory. and they didn't that offense didn't look anything like the the offense we saw in the first half. Um, before, you know, the bye and the ankle injury. So I'm kinda worried about the ankle uh as far as Fournette goes. Um I still think he's gonna get his twenty touches a game, but I'm not I don't know if he's hundred percent. So yeah, I'm worried. Um I'm still gonna start him every week, but I'm certainly worried, you know. They might be monitor monitoring that ankle for sure.
3: Going to the other team in that game We've seen a number of of sort of interesting, really below-the-radar rookie running backs who have this sort of run-pass hybrid ability, people who weren't big names going into the season, and yesterday we saw another breakout from one in Austin Eckler. Considering the problems that Gordon has had with efficiency, much of it redeemed by a ton of explosiveness in the passing game, could yesterday be the beginning of the end for Melvin
4: Gordon? Oh man, I hope not. Um, I, I love Melvin Gordon um, to, to reference um, player profile again, you know, that player comp um, thing that they use uh, compared Melvin Gordon to Matt Forte. And before his rookie season, I hated that comp because I thought Melvin, you know, was going to break a a bunch more big runs and sort of be that explosive, um, running back. But I mean, based on the way his production and his usage has gone, he's kind of looking exactly like early career, Matt Forte. And I mean, for those of you that don't remember back to what 2008, 2009, I mean, there was a lot of debate over Matt Forte, just being a, um, um, you know, a, a volume guy and not really being all that talented. And that, that was my first introduction to not necessarily caring about efficiency as much. Um, Cause he made me look silly. I, I had the, I was of that opinion. Um, and he kind of went on to make me look a little silly for the next, what, seven years. He's still going somehow. Um, so I kind of, I think we're looking at A young Matt Forte-ish type player, um, who's not necessarily ever gonna, you know, blow you away with, uh, a CJ Spiller, you know, 5.5 yards per carry season, but, uh, it doesn't seem like to me San Diego would go away from him being the feature back. Now I'll say, even as a Melvin Gordon owner, they need to get another guy in there who can, you know, help with touches. Cause they've just been overworking him, in my opinion, uh, especially if he's hurt. Uh, he shouldn't be getting that many touches, but I think Austin Eckler is potentially a good thing for Melvin Gordon long term. Uh, for this year, it could be a problem, but. I think Melvin has been playing hurt anyway. So I, I think we're just seeing more of that now um, with them kind of getting more confidence in Eckler. Um, but yeah, he's looked great. I, I can't deny that.
3: Well, they had the comments from the head coach a couple of weeks ago about how if you can't punch the ball in from the one on a bunch of carries in a row. So you have a, a number of consecutive attempts. You can't get it in. That He puts that on the running back even though you watch those attempts and Gordon is meeting two, three, four defenders in the backfield. And that's what it's like on every play for Gordon. You know, he has to beat the first guy in the backfield. He's got to beat the second guy to at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's just surrounded by defenders all the time. And so there's an easy explanation for why he's not very efficient. And then you see these big explosive plays in the passing game. And that again, helps you mm-hmm. say, well, I mean, Gordon... Gordon looks great. If he were in an offense like Ezekiel Elliott, where you know, you're know you encountering your first defender you know, 5, 10, 15 yards down the field, he would look like that kind of runner. But then you look at the game yesterday, and his backup seemingly you know, carves alleys through the line that he hasn't been able to find all year.
4: Well, I, I think there's something to be said for when you know Gordon goes out and Eckler comes in You know, there's no real scouting report for the Jaguars on Austin Eckler. They practiced all week for, okay, they have Melvin Gordon, the feature back. And that's, I think we see that a lot with second half running back breakouts where the teams don't have, you know, any game plan for this new player. Uh, And then you kind of see the next year they kind of fall off a, a ton because teams have a year of film on them. I just, you know, that was a tough matchup for the, the Chargers offense in general, especially with, uh, Marcel Darius there. So, I mean, it's certainly a good thing for Eckler. Um, I just don't necessarily think it's a bad thing for Melvin. I'm also extremely biased because he's one of my favorite prospects ever. Um, I kind of grew up a Wisconsin fan. Uh, so yeah, that, that's my extremely biased take on that. <laughs>
2: All right, we'll be back with more with Russell after this quick break. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week, and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part? You play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. There's no salary caps, so you play in real-life snake drafts, just like you would with your friends in a season-long league. So come in, join me, draft against me on Draft Today. Download the app anytime, just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes, or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RV Radio. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RV Radio on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to playdraft.com and come play free with promo code RV Radio.
3: You do a lot of tremendous work for Dynasty Leagues, developmental Dynasty Leagues. We mentioned the Dynasty Command Center earlier. I used your rankings as one of the two or three outside inputs when putting together my board for uh, the Industrial Dynasty League startup a couple years ago. Right now, Barkley is in a little bit of a skid from a rushing yardage perspective, but he continues to score and catch the ball. Do you foresee anyone challenging him for the number one pick in 2018 rookie drafts?
4: No. Uh, And I think a lot of analysis now is just that Uh, we've seen Saquon Barkley be a tremendous running back prospect from day one, you know, since the day one he stepped on Penn State. I mean, I can remember the first few weeks where he wasn't really the feature back yet his freshman year. And you were just like, whoa, this guy, this guy's special. Um, the yards per carry is weird, but as, as I've gone on as sort of, uh, you know, cared more and more about production. The yards per carry is great on the edges. So, I mean, we can reference uh, a Tevin Coleman and Melvin Gordon. Uh, it's great. I, I like to see a player who can average seven yards per carry in the Big Ten. I mean, I, I was loving it then. But it's not necessarily a requirement for me to, you know, fall in love with a prospect. There, there's there been a few guys. I mean, DeMarco Murray was like mid fours. In terms of yards per carry his like junior and senior season, so um it's not necessarily something i'm wor- I'm worried about especially with how special he's been in the receiving game and underrated i mean he's returning kickoffs for touchdowns. this guy is two hundred and twenty five two hundred and thirty pounds it's the it's the same sort of thing we saw with a fournette you know uh a few years ago where when you see that guy. Just break a kickoff return for a touchdown, Todd Gurley as well. Uh, that's sort of something I I kind of put in my notebook. Like, oh wow, he he's you know pretty special for them to one be putting him on kick returns, but two you know breaking him to the house. That's not not very normal for anyone to do. Um, so with all the peripheral stuff, I mean, I I think Barkley if he isn't is, is very close, um, to being one of the best RB prospects we've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty solidified. Maybe other people get kind of cute with, with who they're going to put one, but, um, especially with the impending draft position where he's going to be a top three to five pick in the draft. Um, he's looking at a feature role from day one. So I'm all in.
2: Do you have anyone that you're looking to avoid right now? Out of uh, let's say, Geis, Love, Adams, Chubb, Friedman, and Ronald Jones.
4: Well, it it was gonna be, uh, it was gonna be Bryce Love, and then he just continued being incredible. Um, he's put together one of the best. Um, you know, rushing production seasons I've ever seen, potentially the best, you know, depending on how he finishes out the year, he's been dealing with an ankle injury the last few weeks. So that's been kind of a bummer. But I mean, for most of the year, he's averaged 10 yards per carry, which we've never seen anything like it. Um, He's, he's potentially pretty special. I am, you know, the size, depending on what he, he gets to at the combine, I want to see him at 200. But if he's 195, I mean, we've seen guys like LaShawn McCoy or, um, you know, C.J. Spiller, you know, guys like that be 195, 196. If he, As long as he's not 190, then then I'll be happy with him. Um, Ronald Jones out of that group. I mean, I think Darius Geis, Josh Adams, Nick Chubb and Royce Freeman are all pretty much. They pretty much have check all the boxes for me. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Josh Adams could be a different perspective for some people, but um, what he's done this year is pretty special. Ronald Jones is kind of the one guy where I I see a really talented back, uh, but I wonder if he sort of gets overrated um, throughout the process. And I sort of see a lot of folks, you know, ranking him really high, um, which is fine with me. I'm just probably not going to jump on that ship with them. I like Ronald Jones. I think, You know, he can be a guy who can get 15 touches a game. I just don't see him as a feature back in the NFL.
3: Moving over to wide receiver, a lot of the big names are struggling this year, other than James Washington. And he carries some red flags, both from scouting perspectives and in terms of some of the key metrics that we use to project the wide receivers. Cortland Sutton is coming on in the last month, month and a half. Where do you see this wide receiver class going and do you have any personal favorites?
4: Oh, and let me say first, um, I appreciate the compliment um on my stuff. And I've definitely incorporated a lot of Rotoviz. I think I mentioned that the last time I was on here. I've definitely incorporated a lot of Rotoviz um work, especially by you, uh, you know, John Moore and and Matt Friedman. Um some of the vintage names from from Rotoviz. Definitely learned you know, and, and use a lot of that in my, in my work. So, um, but to the wide receiver class, oh man, I did not like the look of it from the beginning of the year. I was initially really high on Dion Kane. Cause I thought, you know, he was listed at 210 pounds and then I found out he was 190, um, which certainly changes your eval um, on pretty much anyone when you find out they're 20, 20 pounds lighter. Um, yeah, I really like James Washington. Um, I I think he's got pretty special production in terms of being a deep threat and being a, you know, I, I sort of compare his profile to Roddy white. I see a lot of similarities in their game. Uh, not necessarily the biggest guy, but has really nice ball skills and, you know, has enough bulk to sort of Hang on the outside, um, even though he's not your prototypical deep threat. Um, but this draft class, you know, I I don't like the wide receiver class. Uh, I didn't like last year's all that much. I think, you know, looking ahead real quick, I think 2019 is going to save us. Um, there's a few guys I have my eye on that are really potentially special. Um, but it looks like we're going to have to wait another year for those guys. Um, I understand the red flags for James Washington. Uh, he's a senior, you know, he didn't leave early, which most top prospects do. Uh, he's sort of, you know, not undersized, but not again, prototypical size. So I get it. Um, but I, I've been pretty excited about Washington for a few years and I think he's going to be just fine. Um, but again, I don't want just fine from, you know, my, my wide receiver one in a draft class. So, if you kind of go down the line, I just think it's it's below average compared to, you know, if we're comparing draft classes, we have to look at 2014, we have to look at 2011, we have to look at 2010, and compared to those classes, I mean, this isn't even close. So I do think there are some promising guys. I think Cortland Sutton is a promising um, small school uh, wide receiver, But one of the big things in my process is I I worry about non, you know, power five wide receiver prospects, um, at least before athletic testing and the draft. So the way I'm playing Sutton is if he tests out as an above average athlete and, um, you know, gets drafted in the, you know, first two rounds, then I'm going to really like him. But until that happens, I I mean, I see a lot of people hyping him as the the top wide receiver in this class, and I just don't feel comfortable with that, with small school wide receivers. Obviously, Corey Davis um, was pretty special last year. I would argue Davis is much more special uh, than Sutton is, and... I, it's a dangerous game with small school wide receivers because we see a lot of them fall to the fourth, fifth, you know, sixth round, uh, after athletic testing. So, um, he's certainly a guy I'm pumping the brakes on until further notice. Uh, it, it's well, what do you it, think
3: on Washington and Sutton, uh, in, in, in terms of your expectation, are those guys going to go to the combine and look like big time NFL players or is that, very much an open question.
4: Uh, I think it's very much an open question for Sutton. I think James Washington, yeah, I think he's going to test out a lot better than people think, especially in like the 40 and, and your basic athletic drills. I, I think he's going to look a lot better than what people are expecting.
3: You mentioned some of these small school wide receivers and so I wanted to ask you really quickly, throw this out there. Uh, Rotovis Radio, big fan of Galladay. He finally Mm. got back, got to play in a game this past week after, you know, missing almost the entire season. He obviously had signals pointing in completely different directions in terms of, you know, being extremely old, coming from a small school, getting drafted right there on the edge of where players quickly become completely irrelevant, don't really have NFL opportunity. Uh, At the same time, you know, these great numbers uh, in terms of production, then like you mentioned at the Combine know looked extremely athletic and then certainly tons of buzz after his training camp and preseason
4: yeah okay so my general rule is that I'm looking for players that are going to be drafted in the top three rounds of the NFL draft you you hit the nail on the head there you know beyond that third round is where things get really scary in terms of you know looking for successful NFL players and especially players that, you know, we all want players that can ascend to, you know, being top 15 to top 20 wide receivers in fantasy. That's what we're looking for. You know, if we're looking for players that can be successful NFL contributors, well, I consider that like having more than 500 receiving yards in a season. If you want that, and there's plenty of those guys I think we can find, but If we're just being super high standard, you know, that top three round, um, I think Galladay was a really fun prospect. And before the draft, uh, I wasn't as high on him as I probably should have been, Um, but he's a really fun player. Third round, um, his athletic profile didn't necessarily match like... What he was in college. He was kind of an all purpose guy. They used him in the running game a lot. I thought that was pretty special on his profile. How much they used him in the running game. Uh, so once I sort of saw the NFL, he like passed the sniff test, you know, and that's kind of what I'm looking for with the draft with small school guys. Um, Chad Williams, as well as another guy, I think you can get for free in dynasty right now. He passed the NFL sniff test. Um, so I, I certainly think, you know, you can buy him for free. Uh, but back to Galladay, you know, I, I'm in, I mean, he's been, he's made some crazy plays, not only in the regular season, but in the preseason as well. So yeah, I, I think I'm buying the hype on him who, who knows what that means for fantasy value, but it could potentially be a bad thing for Marvin Jones.
2: Alright so just to real quick here just to kind of close things out you mentioned that there might be some guys coming down at wide receiver in 2019 who can kind of save us can you just uh give us some names there that we should be keeping our eye on
4: Sure the the first one is Enkeel Harry from Arizona State oh he's he's got he's got it all I think uh 64 220 uh, well, 215, 220, but I'm excited. So I'm going to say 220. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's been, he was really productive as a freshman, showed a bunch of skills, you know, as a yak guy and sort of as a go up and get it guy, both in the red zone and, you know, intermediate routes. And, you know, he got that base production. He's, he's blowing up this year as, you know, a, a target hog in an offense. Um, he just looks really good. He, he's pretty much, uh, you know, if we're looking for another sort of Des Bryant type guy, obviously he's not been that productive like Des was at Oklahoma State, but, um, he's, he's looking pretty special to me. Um, and then Ole Miss, so, DeKalan Metcalf is is a guy that I think a lot of folks who sort of follow recruiting and follow freshman year and and all that. I mean, he was pretty much labeled a, an elite guy, you know, out of high school. He his his freshman year, he caught uh, he had two receptions his freshman year, both of them for touchdowns, and then he had a major injury uh, and sort of had a slow start to this season.
2: What was the injury? Um,
4: I believe it was an ACL um, but don't quote me on that uh, but he came back this year and he's another he's he's a big guy um, and he showed a bunch of skills that you know clearly translate and his production is checking out um, and he has a teammate too named AJ Brown who um He's that next guy that people are going to compare to Anquan Bolden, but I, he's not Anquan Bolden, but he's certainly worthy of you know potential first-round hype with his production this year.
2: Awesome. Exciting stuff. Um, well, thanks so much for coming on. Everyone, make sure to follow Russell on Twitter, at Russell J. Clay. And uh, if you want his uh, constant streaming of advice, you, you can't always rely on Twitter now. you got to go to the Dynasty Command Center Slack channel. Sounds really cool. Check that out as well. Russell, thanks so much for coming on.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you for listening to Rodovis Radio, the flagship Rodovis Podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rodoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rodoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com/slash radio.
0: Geico presents Yikes! Another voicemail from your roommate
1: sup roomy? hey a pipe burst in the basement completely flooded anyway i called for someone to fix it but in the meantime i was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted i got some cool swan floaty things already
4: going could you pick up some chips on your way home later
0: the geico insurance agency could help keep your personal property protected like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance
1: they call you the grill master